Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. These verses contain one of our Lord Jesus Christ's greatest miracles, the feeding of the five thousand men, besides women and children, with five loaves and two fish. Of all the miracles worked by our Lord, not one is so often mentioned in the New Testament as this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all dwell upon it. It is plain that this event in our Lord's history is intended to receive special attention. Let us give it that attention and see what we may learn. In the first place, this miracle is an unanswerable proof of our Lord's divine power. To satisfy the hunger of more than 5,000 people with so small a portion of food as five loaves and two fish would be manifestly impossible without a supernatural multiplication of the food. It was such a thing that no magician, imposter, or false prophet would ever have attempted. Such a person might possibly pretend to cure a single person that was sick or to raise a single dead body, but by jugglery and trickery might persuade weak people that he succeeded. But such a person would never attempt such a mighty work as that which is here recorded. He would know well that he could not persuade 10,000 men, women, and children that they were full when they were hungry. He would be exposed as a cheat and imposter on the spot. Yet this is the mighty work which our Lord actually performed and by performing it gave a conclusive proof that he was God. He called that into being which did not before exist. He provided visible, tangible, material food for 10,000 people, out of a supply which is itself would not have satisfied 50. Surely, we must be blind if we do not see in this the hand of him who provides food for all flesh and made the world and all that therein is. To create is the peculiar prerogative of God. We ought to lay firm hold on such a passage as this. 
we should treasure up in our minds every evidence of our Lord's divine power. The cold, orthodox, unconverted man may see little in the story. The true believer should store it in his memory. Let him think of the world, the devil, and his own heart, and learn to thank God that his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is almighty. In the second place, this miracle is a striking example of our Lord's compassion toward men. He saw a great company in a desert place, ready to faint for hunger. He knew that many in that company had no true faith and love towards himself. They followed him from fashion and curiosity or some equally low motive. John 6:26. But our Lord had pity on all. All were relieved. All partook of the food miraculously provided. All were filled, and none went away hungry. Let us see in this the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ towards sinners. He is as he was of old, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Exodus 34, verse 6. He does not deal with men according to their sins, or reward them according to their iniquities. He loads even his enemies with benefits. None will be so excuseless as those who are found impenitent at last. The Lord's goodness leads them to repentance. Romans 2 verse 4. In all his dealings with men on earth, he showed himself one that delights in mercy. Micah 7 verse 18. Let us strive to be like him. We ought, says Quesnel, to have abundance of pity and compassion on diseased souls. In the last place, this miracle is a lively emblem of the sufficiency of the gospel to meet the soul needs of all mankind. There can be little doubt that all our Lord's miracles have a deep figurative meaning and teach great spiritual truths but they must be handled reverently and discreetly. Care must be taken that we do not, like many of the fathers, see allegories where the Holy Spirit meant none to be seen. But perhaps, if there is any miracle which has a manifest figurative meaning, in addition to the plain lessons which may be drawn from its surface, it is that which is now before us. What does this hungry multitude in a desert place represent to us? It is an emblem of all mankind. The children of men are a large assembly of perishing sinners, famishing in the midst of a wilderness world, helpless, hopeless, and on the way to ruin. We have all gone astray like lost sheep. Isaiah 53 verse 6. We are by nature far from God. Our eyes may not be able to see the full extent of our danger, but in reality, we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Revelation 3 verse 17. There is but a step between us and everlasting death. What do these loaves and fish represent? Apparently, so inadequate to meet the necessities of the case, but by a miracle made sufficient to feed 10,000 people, they are an emblem of the doctrine of Christ crucified for sinners. As their vicarious substitute and making atonement by his death for the sin of the world, 
That doctrine seems to the natural man weakness itself. Christ crucified was to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. And yet, Christ crucified has proved to be the bread of God which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John 6 verse 33. The story of the cross has amply met the spiritual needs of mankind wherever it has been preached. Thousands of every rank, age, and nation are witness that it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. They have eaten of it and been filled. They have found it food indeed and drink indeed. Let us ponder these things well. There are great depths in all our Lord Jesus Christ's recorded dealings upon earth, which no one has ever fully fathomed. There are minds of rich instruction in all his words and ways, which no one has thoroughly explored. Many passages of the Gospels are like a cloud which Elijah's servant saw. 1 Kings 18 verse 44 The more we look at it, the greater it will appear. There is an inexhaustible fullness in Scripture. Other writings seem comparatively threadbare when we become familiar with them. But as to Scripture, the more we read it, the richer we shall find it. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. And may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.